0: Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, May 13th, 2018, on the basis of Luke 24, verses 44 through 53. I hate to say it, but I told you so. That's a lie, isn't it? Yes! (laughs) I agree. I agree. That's a lie anytime someone says those words. We don't hate to say, I told you so, those words and the opportunity to say them often follow right on the heels of a very sharp disagreement between two people, as in, honey, that restaurant where we are meeting my parents for Mother's Day brunch this afternoon, it's, it's this way. No, honey, it, it's that way. No, I think it's this way. No, it's that way. No, I think I'm right. No, you're wrong. And then when you're driving around in circles with no idea where you are or where you're going, when your answer was justified and vindicated, boy, those words come right to the tip of your tongue, right? I told you so. We hate to hear, I told you so. I'm not sure we often hate to say it. Sometimes we we really love to say those words. Of course, we know we probably shouldn't, right? They're kind of petty. They're kind of small. It's a way of, of gloating and rubbing something in, which maybe makes it somewhat surprising that the very first words out of Jesus' mouth that we hear in these verses from Luke 24 are basically that. Jesus said, this is what I told you when I was with you. Jesus had told his disciples that he would suffer and die on the cross. He had told his disciples that he would rise from the dead. And when those things had happened, he appeared to them and basically said, I told you so. But with Jesus, it wasn't to be petty or vengeful. It wasn't to gloat or rub something in. No, Jesus said, I told you so, to his disciples because there was one more very important thing he wanted to tell them. Something that was just as important as him dying and rising from the dead. And he knew that what he was about to tell them would produce sharp disagreement between him and Jesus' disciples. In fact, out of all the things Jesus ever said, this one statement maybe produces the most disagreement between Jesus and Christians. And so Jesus said, I told you so, because this time he wanted it to be different. When Jesus told his disciples this last important thing he wanted to tell them, this time he wanted them to believe him. This time he wants us to believe him. So what exactly did Jesus say? Well, you heard what Luke reports. Jesus said, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So Jesus is saying that the entire Bible, from start to finish, is one grand unified story about the Messiah, the Savior of the world, And Jesus is saying that that story is broken down into three chapters. Chapter 1, the Messiah will suffer. Jesus came to this earth to pay for our sins with his death on the cross. Chapter 2, the Messiah will rise. Death could not hold him. The devil had not defeated him. No, Jesus would overcome and win the victory by his resurrection from the dead. And then finally, chapter 3. Repentance and forgiveness in his name will be preached to all nations. All over the world, people will hear about the contents of chapters 1 and 2, and many of them will believe they will be rescued from the dominion of the devil. They will be saved for all eternity. The end. That's the story. And what's important for us to realize is that as Jesus told these words to his disciples... The first two chapters of the story were already in the past. It was just a third that was still in the future. Jesus had already died. Jesus had already risen. And so Jesus wanted his disciples to know that they were standing right at the very beginning of the third and final chapter. He wanted them to be just as excited, filled with just as much anticipation as you are when you get to that final chapter of what has been a thrilling book. This is where all the loose ends are tied up. This is where all the conflict is resolved. This is where the good guy wins in the end and everybody lives happily ever after. This is the final chapter of the story. How exciting is that? Well, that's kind of an important question, isn't it? Just how exciting is that? How excited by that are we? See, just like the disciples who first heard these words from Jesus, you and I are living smack dab in the middle of that final chapter of the story. And Jesus has already told us what the chapter is really all about. He's given us the chapter heading. But so often, it is so easy for us to think that this chapter, our story, is about something else. For our focus, for our attention, for our time and our energy to be on other things. Let's just focus on this week, for example. What big, exciting things happened this week? What was this week all about? We might be tempted to think that this week was about some pretty significant progress on the world scene between the United States and some nations that have historically been our enemies, between nations like Iran and North Korea. Maybe this week was all about that. Maybe this week was about the graduation that's coming up or the wedding that we're planning for this summer. Maybe this week was all about stress at work or conflict in the family or drama with friends or frustration that we feel as we try and take that next step toward achieving our goals. And of course, each one of those things is important in its own right. God knows about and cares about each and every one of those things, but, but really only insofar as they are part of a much bigger much grander story. This week, all around us, in our homes, in our community, in our neighborhood, in our, in our nation, in the most remote corners on earth, people heard the name of Jesus. People heard about the work and the word of Jesus. Some who have known it for a long time, some who are maybe hearing it for the very first time. In either case, The grip of Satan was loosened. Lives were transformed. Hearts were changed and eternities were impacted. Call me crazy, but I don't think anything else that happened this week is quite as thrilling and quite as exciting as that. We are living in the final chapter of this story. This is our story. Okay, so all of that sounds great. And the more you open up your eyes to the story that Jesus wants you to see, the more thrilled and excited you are going to be about it. But but all of that makes what Jesus said next sound even more surprising. Jesus went on to say this, You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, He lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. So after Jesus described the contents of this third and final chapter of the story, then Jesus went on to describe the roles that everyone was going to play during this final chapter. And he starts by saying, you are going to be my witnesses. I, I'm I'm going to send you something that's going to help you as you carry out that work. But before the work even began, Jesus went away. He left them. He ascended into heaven. Something about that doesn't seem right, does it? Kind of feels like what it would be like if it was the very last play of the Super Bowl. Packers were down by four at the 20-yard line, going in for the game-winning touchdown. So Aaron Rodgers huddles up everybody up together, and he says, "All right, guys, here's the play. Here's how we're going to win the game. You go here, and you go there. You start here, and you run over there." As for me, I'm going to sit this one out. I'm going to go over to the sidelines. I'll be cheering you on. Don't worry, you can do it, but but I'm just going to sit this play out. Sound good? On three. Ready? Break. Doesn't seem quite right, does it? On the very first page of this final chapter, Jesus seemingly steps over to the sidelines and elevates us to the starring role as this story comes to a conclusion. For you that might include your role as a parent. It means that in your role as a parent, the most important thing that you can do, your most important job is to teach your children about Jesus, to bring your children to Jesus, to set a pattern for your children so that even when they're out of the house, they continue to come to Jesus and they do for their kids what you did for them. That role means that you are part of a Christian congregation whose entire reason for existence is to proclaim the name of Jesus within these walls, within our community, with other congregations to the farthest corners of the world. That role includes realizing that maybe every day you are surrounded by and come into contact with people on whose soul Satan's grip is still very, very firm and tight. And so that role means simply caring enough about them to get to know them, to listen to them, to hear from them what's on their minds, what's weighing on their hearts, and to look for opportunities to share what you know about Jesus with them. It's really no wonder, is it, that this statement of Jesus sometimes produces sharp disagreement from Christians. This role, Jesus, this role of being a witness, I'm guessing other people are cut out for that, but certainly not me. I'm not qualified. I don't know what to say. I've got all kinds of things on my mind and on my plate. I'll let other people talk to their neighbors and invite their friends to church. I'll help my kids with their homework I'll sacrifice lots of time and energy and money to help them pursue a laundry list of hobbies and activities, but, but I'll kind of leave it up to the church. I'll leave it to the pastor and the Sunday school teachers to teach them about Jesus. Or I'll, I'll let them figure out how important they want Jesus to be when they get older. I'll let other people carry the heavy burden of supporting the work of our Christian congregation. That role might, might be for other people, but it's not for me. And of course, the real challenge of this is that we don't even have to think that. And we don't even have to say it out loud. That's kind of the nature of Jesus ascending up into heaven. We don't, we don't see him standing in front of the room just waiting to kind of scold us a little bit when we have those thoughts or that attitude. We realize that we don't need to contradict Jesus. We can just ignore Jesus. We can just avoid his command and pretend he never gave it in the first place. So what's, what's the solution to all of that? It's not to try and find a different role or to pretend that Jesus never gave us this one, but, but instead to really look and really understand at the role that Jesus has given us. And the first thing that we need to realize is that the only reason Jesus was able to ascend into heaven right at the very first page of the final chapter of this story is because chapters 1 and 2 were already complete. The only reason Jesus ascended into heaven is because all of his work on earth was done. His work of paying for our sins. His work of paying for our indifference and our apathy, our refusal and our reluctance to embrace the role that he's given us. Jesus paid for all of that entirely. Which means that this final chapter of the story is not an audition. It's not our opportunity to prove to God or prove to Jesus that we are worthy to carry out this role. No, Jesus already went through the audition for us in our place and guess what? He nailed it. And as a result, because of Jesus, when God looks at us, he's, see, he sees people who are already perfectly, 100% worthy of serving in this role as witnesses because of what Jesus has done. So what does that role entail? Well, again, Jesus says, you are my witnesses. It's a beautiful description of that role. In a court of law, a witness is simply called on to testify to the things that they know to be true. So whether or not you are able to answer every single question that anyone might ever ask you about God or Jesus, that is not your job. Your job is to simply testify to what you do know. In fact, if a witness is asked a question that they don't know the answer to, not only do they have the opportunity, but really they have the obligation to simply say, I don't know. That's okay. And notice how Jesus says, you are witnesses of these things. In other words, you are witnesses of what happened in chapters 1 and 2. So whether you know the Bible from front to back, whether you know every Bible story and can answer every question, To say, Jesus died for the sins of the world. Jesus rose to give us eternal life. Those are things that we know and things that we can confidently testify to. That is our role. But now what about his? Again, we need to correctly understand what it means that Jesus ascended into heaven. When Jesus ascended into heaven, it wasn't as though he kind of went up, 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 left the earth's atmosphere, sailed through our solar system, passed by Pluto, and by now he's probably somewhere out there in the Kuiper belt. No, Jesus ascended into heaven. He entered a realm that is completely outside of time and space. And so in a very real way, Jesus isn't farther removed from us than he was when he was here on earth. He's actually nearer to us then he was then. Jesus sat down at the right hand of God, which is the command center for everything that goes on in our universe and everything that goes on in our lives. In this final chapter, Jesus isn't like a character in the story who at, at one point was really, really important, but then just kind of fades into the background by the end. No, Jesus goes from being the main character to taking on a role that's even more important than that. He goes from being the main character in chapters 1 and 2 to being the author of chapter 3. Sure, you don't see his name written in there on the pages of the story, but he is responsible for every single detail. And the very first thing that he tells us is going to happen in chapter 3 is this promise to send his Holy Spirit, a promise that didn't take him very long to fulfill, just 10 days, we'll talk about it next Sunday. The promise to send the Holy Spirit who would teach his disciples what to say, who would give them the boldness to say it, and who would be responsible for seeing to it that people who hear it also believe it. Friends, far from Jesus' ascension being a reason for us to come to any sort of sharp disagreement with him about his role and our role, his ascension into heaven is a wonderful and gracious invitation, a powerful and certain promise of what he is going to do with us, through us, in us, during the final chapter of this story. And what a blessing that this promise is so certain that one day we'll see the ending. One day we'll stand there, shoulder to shoulder with Jesus before the throne of God, and we will look in every direction, as far as the eye can see, a multitude that no one can count, men, women, and children from every nation under heaven who heard the name of Jesus who believed on the name of Jesus and who were saved for all eternity. And I don't know if Jesus is going to say it one more time. But if he does, I know we'll be glad to hear it. See? Repentance and forgiveness in my name preached to all nations. See? You are going to be my witnesses. See? I told you so. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.